You're listening to a DM podcast. So, David, look, you weren't keen to discuss this when I brought it no, up. No, I wasn't. I was fully locked into a completely different subject matter until a very late night tweet that you posted. Yes. Last night, the tweet was about cashless society. Yes. Now, do you have an Optus phone? No, I do not. I actually got rid of Optus a few years ago. I have an Optus dongle. Uh-huh. Right, just a, a Wi-Fi dongle that Boomers I Boomers and their dongles. Well, they I, love I, a dongle. I, I had to because we were staying at my mother-in-law's house. Mm. Uh, this is over at Christmas years ago, and her Wi-Fi was terrible. It was. You think I'm a boomer? She actually sent me a letter saying, <laughs> "You used up all of my Wi-Fi," and I'm like. We just watched a video, but Optus went belly up yesterday. It went belly up and, well, basically 10 million customers had no access to Wi-Fi. They had no access to landlines, no no access to phones. No access to the emergency services. The trains in Melbourne were out. Hospitals were out. Government services. And my tweet was basically, way to go, Optus, in showing how vulnerable Australia really is. Bingo. When you first said we need to talk about Optus, it Mm. was like, yeah, 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 we can talk about that for a couple of minutes, but... Then when you posted that, it suddenly let my little brain... (laughs) Kick into place. It's like that little kernel, that little guy in the back of my brain went, oh, that's something we can research. I know, especially when we've got a lot of government agencies now looking into this. There's a lot going on. And it does actually have a big impact on intelligence and security. Mainly security, not so much intelligence, but it's got a big impact. So it plopped it right in our wheelhouse. I know. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Listening to I Spied, the tapestry of Australian intelligence. Okay, I'm just going to keep sewing this. Like I'm just, I'm just putting together a little outfit for you. Okay, that's a bit weird. No, 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 no. Trust me. It looks. I mean, it's a very pretty design. Okay. But don't forget, it's a Faraday cage, so it will protect you when the EMP tries to stop your heart. I don't want. It's silver. It's really pretty. Come on. Okay. Look at that. Okay. Put it on. Welcome to I Spy. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're going to talk Optus, but not from the perspective of like whether they were hacked or what went on, because of course Optus is saying they weren't hacked. It's all speculation at the moment. It is all speculation. And by the time we record this, it's all speculation. By the time it comes out, Russia will be like, oh, we did it. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> North Korea went, oh, no one's talking to us. Yeah. Or as I said yesterday, Israel actually hacked oh, Optus yeah. to punish us for sending Scott Morrison. And Oh, you were on a roll. Oh, I was having a ball us. with yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was a lot of fun. Now, the current thinking was it was what's called a BRG or yes. BGR, border gate router problem. Yep. Now, one of the things when we were having our little exchange via WhatsApp talking about this, I did say that it was probably a systems admin guy who put the wrong code in and it blew the system up. Sounds like that was pretty accurate. Yeah, so basically uh, because of, they were looking at the timing of it. So because it happened at 4 a.m., that Bingo. tends to be when yeah. um, systems get updated when because we're everyone's all asleep. asleep. Or, or if you're like my wife and I, we're up late at night watching television. And oh. someone did this really good analogy like, you know, it's a post-it and I have written I love you on it and I give it to my neighbour who's meant to give it to his neighbour. But then what happens is he misinterprets what I say to him and then so he starts delivering post-its to, to everyone. Everyone, yeah. And it blocks so, all the systems. Exactly. So essentially it's one or two digits in a code yes. were put in incorrectly and it's like when you get an email from somebody, a group email from someone, mm. and then instead of hitting reply, you hit reply all. Like oh, that everyone. is such a boomer thing to do too. I hate it when everyone does reply all. Yeah. I don't want to know that you can't do something because you have to pick up the kids. Yeah, exactly. The thing was, mm. as you said in your post, 
it's exposed incredibly. It's exposed to vulnerability yeah. in Australian systems because what we forget is just how much we rely on electronics and bottom line electricity to get stuff done these and days. And not just that, it showed how many people don't walk around with cash or have access to it. Yeah. Now, the cashless society one's a really interesting thing mm. because there's a lot of scuttlebutt going out around about how by 2030, Australia will be a cashless society. Yes, That's which actually, I applaud. I'm happy about that. It, but it's actually a canard. It's it's mm. not the truth. The interesting thing was Macquarie Bank said, we're going to eliminate cash in our system mm. by 2026 or 2030 or whatever yeah. it is. Okay, Macquarie Bank. That's fine. You're not that kind of bank. You're not the kind of bank that I walk into and go, I need 20 bucks so I can catch the bus. Yeah. You're a different kind of bank. So you can quite happily eliminate your cold hard currency. That's fine. But there are banks that will never do that. Yeah. We will have a reduction in the amount of currency we use, but we'll never truly eliminate it. I turned around to my wife. After I saw your tweet, mm. I went, Cashless society, we need to talk. And she mm. went, go and get a glass of whiskey. Oh, yay! <laughs> right, so, okay. Essentially, she works in that area. She works right. in the payments area. Now, yeah, they love it, right? The payments area love cashless because, A, it's cheaper. Well, you, you're kind of just following uh, a paper trail as opposed to following the money. Like you're following yeah. the, the dots and the, the dashes. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the ones and zeros. Yes. Now, the interesting thing she said, like for Australia – yeah, we can. We don't have to, but we've adopted it very quickly, the whole idea of cashless transactions. But in other countries, now the one she brought up, and it was a really good example, was Indonesia. Right? Yeah. Indonesia, thousands of islands, lots of different people, lots of different groups, all that sort of stuff, but a lot of isolated people. And it makes it very difficult for them to do any sort of transactional currency exchanges. Yeah. To get to the bank, sometimes it's like an eight-hour canoe ride. Yeah, right. So what you've done, what they're doing, and this is what the, the payments industry are doing, and I, I, I I did their award ceremony a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Gallery of New South Wales. And guys, you were awesome. And everybody who won deserved it. And uh, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, getting back to it. Uh, the whole thing is most of that is app-based. Yep. It's not bank-based. No. So you'll have apps like GoPay. And that means that you'll put money into GoPay. Your your customers will put money into GoPay. You ex- you, you pay using GoPay. China have the same thing. I think, what is it? Um, WeChat? It's, yeah, WeChat. WeChat is like you can talk, but also you, they use that for currency. That's their transaction. Yeah, and yeah, a yeah. friend of mine who was in Beijing recently said the worst thing was work, walking into a shop and they'd look at you and they go, WeChat? And he goes, uh, no. And he'd pull out currency and they'd ignore him. Yep. And it wasn't a fact that they didn't want the money. They just didn't want to talk to him. But it's like the whole thing with WeChat in China is it's really locking the society yes. in. And if you don't have WeChat and you can't have WeChat unless you're a citizen, I think, you can't open a bank account. The thing with things like GoPay, which is the the app my wife is talking about that they're using in Indonesia, is you don't need a bank account. Now, one of the other things she talked about was the fact that there's now talk about everyone getting an electronic ID in Australia. And there's, of course, all the people who go, oh, bloody ID card, you're not going to know all of my details. I mean, actually, like, if you've got a Facebook account, we already know. Yeah, and you know what? If you pay tax, we already know. Okay, so the whole idea of an electronic ID yep. is it's really, really handy to make it easier for you to open a bank account. Yep. If you're homeless, you can't open a bank account because you don't have a postal Fixed address. Fixed address. Right. So, But with a an app like GoPay yep. and an electronic ID, you will be able to get, have transactions. We also have PayPal as well. PayPal yep. is quite um, useful if you're buying things yeah, online. Yeah, PayPal, of course. Yep. Like so you I, put money into it. And they take, they take a lot of stuff really seriously. So I, I once had someone buy something off. Off me 
or I actually no, I did a voiceover for someone and they paid me via PayPal. But the only thing was I had to wait a couple of weeks to get it because of fraud. They yeah. hold on to things to do all the checks and balances. Do all the checks and balances. Now that's another thing. It's cheaper than using currency mm. and it's cheaper than having a bank branch because you don't have to pay people to be there. But the big problem then becomes who pays for the service? Yeah. Right. They a take cash, a percentage. Yeah, a cash transaction, there is mm. no percentage. No. But you know, credit cards you pay a percentage. And then online, these these pay apps also will take a certain percentage mm. out. Now, here's the problem with all of that. What happens when you have no electricity? All right. What oh, happens yeah. when your system collapses? As we so found out. Optus yesterday collapsed. And I went to buy coffee at the Rose Bay Ferry. The boys down there at the Rose Bay Ferry Wharf, Jevez Coffee, they've got a little terminal there that yeah. they use. And that's the one I just flashed my card on my phone or whatever. At. Yeah. And I kept going, am I going to pay for this one? No, not that one. You've got to use this one. It was one of the older pay point things. Yeah. And I went, what? And he went, that one's Optus, that one's Telstra. Uh, and it was like, I went, oh, smart boys. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got one of each. Simply that's because. actually very smart because there was a lot of people who had to close their businesses. Yeah. A lot of Uber drivers really yeah. struggled. Uber's done, right? As yeah. soon as you as Optus is out and if you're trying to use Uber and you're an Optus, like mm. one, th- or was it 13 cabs, yeah. their entire system shut down because they were with Optus. Yeah, and you even had the Optus CEO, Rose, Rose Marin, who ended up WhatsApping into, yeah. <laughs> into ABC to even make a comment because she, of course, had nothing. Funnily enough, I don't know if you saw the Sydney Morning Herald today, of, mm. as of this recording. Yeah. There was a photo of her house and a photo of her husband. Yeah. Right now, her house in Vaucluse. Now, I, I live in Vaucluse. I'm a lucky person. Um, now, I was driving down to the ferry to go to work yesterday. And as I was driving down, there I counted seven police cars, two divvy vans, and two ambulances heading into Vaucluse. Now, that's a lot of police cars mm. to be going into Vaucluse. And then in the photograph, I noticed in the photograph of the Optus CEO's house, there was a couple of police cars in front. Yep. So part of me was wondering if that was just the neighbours going, there's a lot of people hanging around our street. Because obviously the press would have gone to her house yes. in the hopes that they could capture it. All they did was capture her husband looking out the window going, what? And right. and the other thing that was really interesting, there was a massive line outside, I think it was one of the Optuses, down in the city because yeah. there were people who were meant to be getting on a cruise yesterday and their ticket was on their phones oh, and they couldn't no. access their tickets to get on the cruise because oh, no. it was all electronic. So they had to try and retrieve that information elsewhere. Exactly. Now, here's the really important thing to remember about this this situation, right? This was just, honestly, it was huge. It's just a blip as to what could possibly happen. Yeah, and I think what um, the key thing that's coming out of this, of course, is going to be an inquiry. The government's across it and they're going to continue to be across it because it does, as we said, show that vulnerability and the next time it could be hackers. And even a lot of technical people have said they don't even know how this happened because this is such a rare occurrence. Yeah. But in my mind, it's quite worrying and the government will be 100% following up on this. And they want to make sure that the telecommunications companies are transparent yep. because that's kind of been a bit of an issue in the past that they haven't been transparent enough, that whatever their key learnings are, are then shared with Telstra, with Virgin, just to to make sure that these mistakes won't happen again. Well, after the cyber attack that Optus had last year. So uh, Optus are having a bad trot. When we say cyber attack, it was more the fact that Optus didn't institute the correct security 
the information was just sitting there. People just took it. Yeah. It wasn't like someone worked real hard to hack it. They had Deloitte's do a review for, for them, an internal mm. review to work out what was going on. What's very interesting about that was basically that Deloitte report has not been seen. Ah, so the big yes. problem a lot of people are thinking is maybe there's something in there that mm. Optus don't want us to see. That's, again, that's speculation. But it's an interesting point that Optus have been under, the, under a lot of pressure. It highlights the... Very, very fragile nature of the infrastructure we have in the country. Yeah. Right. There's a couple of things that could possibly happen that could make things very, very hard for everybody. Right. One is there was a potential attack on a power substation up in the Alpine, uh, yep. up in the Australian Alps. I know we call them Alps for anyone who lives They're rolling hills. Like, they're just, yeah, they're, they're kind of rolling <laughs> hills, but we do get snow on them occasionally. And we right. get excited about it. Right, we do. Woo. Well, you do. I, I just I, go, it's cold and wet. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is there was uh, a potential that there was going to be attack on this substation. If that substation had been blown up, it would have literally disconnected New South Wales and Victoria. Mm. Now, our states exchange power. So that was one of the things that happened in South Australia a few years ago when we had those windstorms. And, of course, um, Josh Frydenberg got up and said, this is all because they're trying to go green. It wasn't. It was because one of the interlinked substations between South Australia and the rest of the country fell over. So this is a problem. One, we have these installations within our power grid that are vulnerable. What's interesting is we've got the critical infrastructure resilience strategy, which is basically the Australian government going, right, we understand that we've got to make sure our system is resilient. How do we protect it? So as soon as that those two events, that potential terrorist attack on one substation and the crashing of another substation in South Australia, when those two events happened, the Australian government did turn around and go, all right, stop. What's going on? Mm. What do we need to do to protect it? The problem is there are even worse things that can happen. Yeah, I, and I think we've seen just a taste of it just by the what happened with the Optus yeah. Now, stuff. would you like to talk about the worst-case scenario? Oh, yeah, let's get right. let's get stuck into worst-case right. scenarios. Everyone needs to basically get a property in the middle of nowhere, hide your guns, get ready for the apocalypse kind of scenario. Oh, don't worry, I've got my plan. Okay. I've got a plan. It involves a Cash. naval officer and <laughs> a very large ship. Um, <laughs> now, a couple of things that you've got to think about. One, we are living in the electronic age, right? Yes. And the problem with electronics is they're fragile. As much as we look after them, and look, as my family always say, like they're replacing their phones every two years. I've got a phone that's about five, six years old. And they're like, why? And it's like, because I like to look after my kids. Well, there's also a really amazing book called <clears throat> Station Eleven by Emily St. John, which I highly recommend. It's also mm. a TV show, which the TV show is phenomenal. But it it is kind of, it tucks into this post-apocalyptic kind of idea of yeah. what would happen if all the electricity went out. And even little things like all of our photos, like if you're separated from your family, your only attachment to them or remembrance of them would be photos. They're all on our iPhone. It's all electronic. So like, you know, if electricity goes and you can't charge your phone, all of your memories disappear with it. Yeah. Now, a couple of things that could happen. One, we do have the whole idea that someone hacks the system. Mm. Well, that's that's not too bad. If someone hacks the system and brings it down, that's reversible. Depending on how much damage they do to the actual software, firmware and hardware, because a hack can get to the point where if you fry servers, that's a problem. But if you just knock the system out, you take the power down – it's going to cause a lot of problems, yep. but it's fixable. Right. The big problem we have that we face is EMP. Right. Electromagnetic pulse. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, there's a book called Going Home. It's a series of books. The first one's called Going Home mm-hmm. and then expands. And basically, someone detonates a series of EMPs. So they detonate high-yield nuclear bombs 
high in the atmosphere above the United States. Okay. Right. You set one of those off and it sends out an electronic pulse, or an electromagnetic pulse that doesn't just take the power out, it fries the circuitry. Oh, it destroys it. It destroys it, right? But also falling radiation can't be nice either. No, no, no. It doesn't do that. <laughs> okay. Right? Basically, it's so high in the atmosphere, okay. there's no shock wave, there's no heat, and the radiation is so dissipated by the time it gets to you. Okay, so this scenario is really frightening me. Continue. Wait, wait, wait. For Australia, you could detonate one across above Australia and it would take out everything. Uh, great. Right. Good. Now, Good the only way to protect your equipment is you've got to put it, you've got to shield it, which is essentially creating a Faraday cage. Now, a Faraday cage is a sealed either a sealed steel box mm. or a very tight steel cage. If you ever watch a, a guy working on high power lines, yeah. they wear these, they look like chainmail suits, right? The chainmail suit has like a hood that goes over your head with a brim that comes out past your nose. Because if you didn't have the brim coming out past your nose, the high tensile power line could earth into yeah. your nose. You can hang off a live telegraph wire mm. or you know a high power cable it won't hurt you until you earth. Now, if you're working on it, you are earthed. So you need to wear a Faraday cage so the electricity doesn't go through you. It goes through the suit and out. Sounds like fun. During COVID, I got really bored. And of course, everything's touchscreen. Mm. Remember during COVID, everything's touchscreen. And because, oh my God, if I touch it, I'm going to get COVID. I got a, ser- a pair of gloves. You did not. Very fine gloves and got- You did not. I did. Oh my God. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. I was stuck at home. And oh. uh, as a child, I had problems with my eye-hand coordination. So my <laughs> my mother got me to do embroidery and tapestry. So my needle point is on Are point. you serious? I'm totally serious. Are you, you, you've just gone to a next level. Wait, I never wait, 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 wait. thought you so would. So what I did is I stitched conductive thread in all of the fingertips. The inner workings of your brain. Yeah. Okay, yep. So I could basically sit there on my iPad with gloves on the train. <laughs> I could touch anything and it wouldn't hurt me because, hey, I'm wearing gloves. Now, interestingly enough, I just, like, again, very bored. I went, hmm, Faraday cage. I wonder. So in my backpack, I have conductive thread all through the pocket that I keep my phone and my iPad in. Wow. So if there is an electronic pulse, wow. 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 my iPad wow. and my phone won't be affected. Wow. We have reached next level geekhood with yeah, you. totally, totally, totally. Now, now, here's the problem with that. Okay, what is it? I'm walking down the street. You can't I, plug it into anything because there's no electricity. Not just there's no electricity, <laughs> everybody else's phone and iPad so is So who fried. are you talking to? Me. <laughs> I can still do my research. But the internet's gone. I can't do my research. I've still got my photographs. Oh, oh. There we Now, go. here's the problem. The electromagnetic pulse sends mm. electricity through the circuit at such a high level, it fries it. Now, they were saying they, they did tests with nukes. They set a nuke yeah. at high altitude above a test site. Um, and it not just knocked it out, it fried the circuit because it's so tightly packed. Um, and this was a transistor, not a microchip. Yeah. There was so much tightly packed electronics in it, it fried the circuit. You'd think, okay, what do we do? Well, we really hope that no one tries to blow something up like that. And we harden, it's called hardening our critical infrastructure by literally putting it in a cage, a metal cage. Right. The other thing you've got to think about is cars won't work. Most cars are electronic. Electric. Yep. Now, you'd have to go back to something that has a carburetor and points, like as opposed to what we have now, which is electronic ignition. I know those cars used to work on them. If you own an old 1969 Valiant, you're fine. So basically, when you get your um, you get your little setup in the middle of nowhere with guns yep. and food yep. buried, yep. put an old Valiant there. Yeah, an old Valiant or, you know, one of the... <laughs> 
earlier Hiluxes or something yeah. like that. Right, so there's that as well. Yeah. You know, cars, transport, everything's out. Yeah. Um, refrigeration is gone. Everything, you've, you've lost everything. Now, that's the worst case scenario if someone decides, I'm going to wreak my terrible revenge on your country. Now, what about nature? And what do you mean by? Oh, I haven't thought about this. So this is great thing called the Carrington event. Okay. The Carrington event happened in 1859, and it was the first time that we realised, oh, the sun could be a problem. Now, what happens is we've got the photosphere around the sun. Mm. That's where the light comes from. Mm. But underneath it is the corona where all the action's happening and there's all of these magnetic sort of yep. streams going everywhere. And occasionally they get a bit crazy and, you you know, those lovely shots of loops of plasma coming off the surface of the sun. Mm. See, back in 1859, there was one that was so big, it literally flooded our planet with plasma. So plasma hit our magnetosphere. We've got a magnetic ball around us. That's mm. why we're able to survive in this solar system because we we're a we're protected. We're an iron core planet. Yep. It's got a magnetic field around it. So all of that stuff that comes out of the sun gets drawn up and that's why we have the aurora borealis yes. and the aurora australis. Now what happened was it was a huge one. It was spotted by Two astronomers, Carrington, of course, and another guy, I think his name was Hodgson. It was so powerful that it melted. It's basically melted long power lines. So if you've got a long power line in an EMP, the power starts traveling down the cable and will melt it. There were telegraph operators. Remember telegraph? And the little paper things would come out. There are like bits of telegraph paper, ticker tape paper, of conversations between telegraph operators, one woman complaining that she keeps getting electrical shocks from her telegraph machine. And the person at the other end says, unplug the battery, disconnect all power to it. So she did, and they were still working. There was so much electricity in the That's atmosphere. Insane. If that, if it were the same sort of thing hit now, Imagine what would happen to all the electronics we have. They'd be fried. It would be fried, yep. right? We're relying on an exceptionally fragile piece of infrastructure. Yeah, so what do we do? How do we get around this? Like, we can't protect it from everything. And I think the fallibility of the world that we live in is, it's like we we move to this point where we're so progressive that nothing can harm us. Exactly. That we, become then susceptible to a whole new bevy of things. Exactly. Like the more complicated the system yes. is, the more yes. points of failure it creates, yeah. right? We live in an information and technological age that is like it's unsurpassed. We, we, it, of course, it's nothing like it in history because there's nothing like it in history. I mean, how far we've come from the Commodore 64. Oh, my God. How far we've come. Like the first com real computer, first programmable computer was built by... And it was massive. Turing. Massive. And it was huge. And <laughs> Massive. like it, my mobile phone would make it yes. look like a child's toy. Yep. In the space of one lifetime, we've so far exceeded what we've done. I mean, the electronic age is comparable to the um, aviation age in that at the beginning of the 20th century, we couldn't fly. At the beginning of the 21st century, we're flying into space and we have planes that are invisible yeah. virtually. The problem we have is we have an exceptionally fragile system. Yeah. And yesterday, thanks Optus, you showed us just how fragile it is. And not just us, but the world. The you entire showed world. how fragile and vulnerable Australians are to any kind of attack that could happen. Yeah. So here's a couple of things you need to do. One, if you have a photo library, dump it 
off your yeah. whatever device you have, dump it onto a hard drive and then put that hard drive in a steel box and then tape that steel box up with conductive tape. That will protect the family photos. Okay. So this, it's like preparing for a, a bushfire. I do, are we going to have to do needlepoint in our fingertips? No, I no, don't no. really want to I'll do that, that for you. Don't okay, worry. I'll, you. I'll do all the needlepoint. I'll do all <laughs> of the needlepoint. Everyone can relax. Just That's going to be my new business. The other problem is how long would it take for us to recover, do you think? From one of these events? From an event, either yep. like say, let's go for, let's not go for an EMP. I know the, the planet is, or well, a man made EMP. I know the planet is very, very tenuous at the moment. We're all very cross with each other when we like throwing rocks. But let's go, no one's going to be stupid enough to set off a nuke. Mm. Let's go for a coronal mass injection. How long do you think it will take to recover? Uh, a few years. Four to 10. Four to 10 years. Four to 10 wow. to get back to normal. Could you imagine, like, just think even like when COVID happened, yeah. how crazy everyone went over toilet paper. Yeah. Oh, 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 the book I was telling you about, Going Home, yeah. there's about five chapters just on what they do because no one can get toilet paper. And I was reading it. I read it before COVID. What and I was is like, up oh. with this toilet paper in the end of the world? I just don't get it. They went, there is no <laughs> toilet paper. And this guy basically writes about five chapters in this book about how they came up with a solution until they found- well, That sounds like a really good book. <laughs> But here's the thing. I was really going, this is ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. when COVID happened, I went, oh, my God, it's not so ridiculous. No, it's like the end of the world stuff. So everyone complained and yeah. there were fights. There were people getting into punch-ups over fucking toilet paper because I was an essential worker. I had to go into work every day. Yeah. Work had heaps of toilet paper. You know, you know, <laughs> so I was taking some. So imagine what would happen to us if we lost all communication and all electricity for five to ten years. Exactly. The the thing to prepare is, yes. one, make sure you've got some currency lying around. Yep. Print currency, some, definitely. Print the photos that really mean something to you. Yes. Print them off. Make sure you've got them. Yep. And finally, stop relying so much on your devices. Everything I need to use get through life is on my phone. Like I don't have a wallet. Yep. I don't like yep. all like my identification, yep. my credit cards, everything. Basically, guys, we've, we've kind of screwed ourselves <laughs> we in have. this. We, got, we yet, got too techy. The big problem we'll also have is things like food. If this goat falls down, food, you won't be able to get food. Water, sewerage. Everything runs on electricity, guys. It's okay, just, I'm by. So, I'm I'm starting to uh, to plan my uh, escape yeah, from yeah, the city. Yeah, don't worry. The the boat I'm going to get and the, uh, the navy guy that I'm going to be working with will will have room for you. Okay, great. Are you talking about an ark? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Shall I just call you Noah? Yeah, yeah. Why not? That's my new name. Noah didn't. There's no way I'm going with you, Dave.